at the ball game. Yo! Welcome everyone to the Fantastics Insider Podcast here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, InsiderBaseball.com. I'm Lou Blassie, along with Brandon Camman from Fantastics and InsiderBaseball.com. Brandon, our weekend or our last couple of episodes on Sirius and our last couple of episodes here in the podcast are dealing with expectations and our new love of expected stats that are based on StatCast uh, information. And uh, we've got the pitching side today, and we're going with expected ERA. Now, you and I and Skyler and just about everybody who deals in analytics loves XFIP because it gives us an idea of, well, I'll let you compare and contrast XFIP and expected ERA for us. Yeah, XFIP and expected ERA are similar, um, and, and you can use them in somewhat of the same way. The difference is XERA factors in more stat cast. Uh, so quality of contact that you can pull up on a guy's stat cast page is factored into XERA. So, you know, we talked about XBA um, yesterday and on our last podcast, um, and that, you know, XBA factors in uh, launch angle, how hard a ball is hit and all that and the likelihood it lands for hits. And it's all just based on data, uh, is stat cast data. So how often has a ball hit at this exit velocity at this launch angle? How often does it land for a hit? Um, and it factors all that into what your expected batting average would be. Well, very similar with XERA is, you know, if a pitcher gives up a ball at this launch angle, at this uh, exit velocity, how often does it land for a hit? And how often is that going to then ultimately impact your ERA? And they just make it a nice number that we're all used to that kind of correlates with an ERA. Um, so it, it factors in more stat cast quality, but it has the same sort of idea as XFIP in terms of, you know, independent of fielding, independent of uh, ballpark, um, which is why, you know, you get the Colorado guys and they're going to show up in this list pretty mm -hmm. regularly. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of says, how is the pitcher controlling what he can control? Um, you know, factoring in strikeouts, walks, all that, home runs, all of that. Um, but it's it's stat cast instead of, you know, whereas XFIP doesn't doesn't factor in exit velocity, doesn't factor in, you know, uh, launch angle. It's just purely uh, what the pitcher can control and, and, and neutralizes to a certain degree home run to fly ball rate. Uh, stat cast is purely on the uh, sorry, uh, XERA is purely on the stat cast uh, realm of things. And we've been warning people that these aren't necessarily these expected stats. And a lot of the indicators we use, actually, especially if they're aggregate indicators, aren't necessarily uh, silver bullets. They aren't necessarily ways to figure out what the performance of the player should be. For me, the kind of relative comparisons, and not to oversimplify this too much, but the way I look at it right now, Brandon, maybe you can back me up and feel how see how similar you feel about it is I'm looking for XFIP oftentimes to tell me the first things I want to know about a pitcher in his ERA. Has he been lucky or unlucky? And you've got left on base percentage to go to and homer and fly ball percentage, things like that. And XFIP for me helps even that out and takes some of the luck out of it. I know that's oversimplifying it. And I don't use it as a gauge as much to say, well, when there's a big difference between XFIP and ERA, pitcher's been lucky or unlucky. And, uh, the ex expected ERA goes more towards the stat cast data that we've been talking about, which I want to know quality of contact. 
And I'm going to go look at these underlying indicators anyway, whether it be home run to fly ball or BABIP or left on base percentage, things like that in terms of luck. I'm going to look at them anyway, but I'm using these numbers as kind of a glance of, oh, that pitcher's been lucky or unlucky, or that pitcher is giving up a lot of quality of contact, or he's been better in quality of contact than his results tells me he has been. Yeah, XERA is, is not necessarily predictive. Um, it's, you know, we take, I mentioned the, the Rockies pitchers. So it, it sort of neutralizes the ballpark into, into just the average ballpark. Well, we, the Rockies pitchers are in course field. <laughs> that is their home ballpark. Yeah. So you, you can't use the XRA, XERA and say that's predictive because it's neutralizing course field, but they do pitch in course field. So, uh, you, you know, their ERA is going to be impacted by that. So Herman Marquez, who has spent his entire career as a Rocky, um, we've known for years, Herman Marquez, if he was out of Colorado would be a better pitcher or right. would have better numbers. Um, but he's not out of Colorado. And so his ERA is what his ERA is. So, uh, it's, it's not predictive in that sense. Um, however, I think as you were going along with, um, doing sort of this exercise that we're doing and look, Statcast baseball savant makes it really easy for you. you. You can go on to the leaderboard page and just sort by differences or just go on to a player's page and you can see the difference between XERA and ERA. But if you sort by differences, which is all I did, what I did was uh, to come up with a list for us to talk about. I just sorted the difference between XERA and ERA both ways, uh, guys who have been sort of unlucky, guys who have been sort of lucky. Um, and I sorted it that way. And then I just did minimum 150 batted ball incidents uh Big, or balls in play, not bad at ball incidents, uh, balls in play. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that is if you start to get lower, you get guys who are just not consequential. Right. Um, so I did minimum of 150. So if you just do that, I think it's a valuable exercise for anybody to do um, because it's not predictive. It's not going to tell you everything, but it does give you an idea and it does give you just a quick idea of, you know, and I, lucky and unlucky aren't the right words to use because again, there are other factors involved besides luck. Um, but it gives you an idea of, again, a, maybe a little bit better skill set or worse skill set than what we're seeing on their surface statistics. And as I talked about with uh, bat a ball or with uh, batting average and X, XBA is I like to buy skills. And some of these guys have skills that are maybe masked a little bit by a poor ERA or poor overall numbers. Um, and the skills are telling us that they're a little bit better than that or vice versa. Uh, I, I like your caution about uh, XERA in terms of how it neutralizes ballparks. And the fact of the matter is these teams play in ballparks. To your point, the list we're going to start with today, which are guys with higher actual ERAs than expected ERAs, are there's a look, Reds, Rockies, Rockies, Reds, Philly, Cubs. You know, exactly. there's some ballparks that you neutralize the ballparks out of it, and it may tell you a different story. But the fact of the matter is, these guys pitch in these ballparks, so you have to take that into account. But in today's streaming world, home and road starts, you know, paying attention. And, we, and we've been talking about the last few weeks, looking at players at different angles. And this will tell you on some of these players that pitch in these ballparks. Take a look at their road splits and see if there might be better streamers on the road than they are at home. It just gives you an idea. We've been telling people about this for a decade now. It's just know where your pitchers pitch well and where they don't pitch well and use them accordingly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And then it also is, you know, we, we spoke about, I think it was last week, um, pitchers, uh, we identified 
the individual pitches that were doing well, uh, if you remember that, uh, yep. individual pitches that were, you know, among the leaders of most successful pitches. And, and the reason at the time that we, we liked talking about that was, and I said, I, if a pitcher has one great pitch, I'm, I'm interested because that means they have a skill that can beat hitters. Well, this tells me, you know, that these pitchers have, something that is better than what they're showing there, there's again there's a skill set there and, and a couple of these guys you know like for instance joanna don we don't even have to talk about him <laughs> he's been so bad this year his xera is is better than his uh era only because his era is so bad that anything has to be better so it's not really about that but it's these guys who um you know if they have a skill set that uh, is better than what we're seeing. I, I want to pay attention um, because there's something there. There's something that they that we can take advantage of as a fantasy player um, that, again, isn't necessarily clear to everybody else in our league that's paying attention right. or just everybody else in general. So, you know, you want to just identify skill set. This is, again, going back to the individual pitches. Identify a skill um, so that you can keep on to that skill as as a pitcher develops, as a pitcher uses that skill, you know, however they do. And so in this case, we're seeing that they have the skill set to be better than their surface stats. Well, I want to pay attention to that. How can I take advantage of these guys that maybe a lot of these guys are being completely ignored by other people in the league? And what we learned when we did this exercise with expected batting average is that given the same uh, skill set, given the same quality of contact, which is what we talked a lot about with the hitters, there can be a lot of variance in terms of outcomes here. You have to keep that in mind. And this is just another lesson in the basics of fantasy baseball, in the basics of what we do in fantastics is that the result stats aren't the end all be all. You have to take a look a little bit deeper and you have to find the places where the result stats and the indicator stats don't agree because that's often where your profit is or that's where you should be looking for your profit. Yeah, no question. I mean, we we want to identify where we can get, you know, an advantage on somebody. So for instance, you know, nobody's going to pull the wool over somebody's head on Sandy Alcantara. Right. You know, I mean, everybody knows he's he's having a great season. He's really good. Or um, you know, nobody's going to surprise anybody on, you know, uh who am I thinking like Pablo Lopez or something? I don't know why I'm going with all the Marlins pitchers. Um, but you know, <laughs> I mean, these guys who are having good seasons. We all yep. get it now yep. and we can all see it, but maybe, you know, somebody isn't on to, you know, somebody on here who, uh, you know, is a guy who I would be intrigued about just pure, purely on skill set is like a Tyler Molly um, who, who's on this list who, um, you know, I said this before the season, he has the skill set. Uh, it doesn't necessarily show completely in his numbers right now, but Tyler Molly has a, has a unique skill set. And whether that means, again, streaming him in the right places, whether you're playing DFS, identifying the right times to use Tyler Molly, um, or, you know, if he ends up getting traded out of Cincinnati, this is a yeah. guy I want. You know, I mean, those are the things that can give you an advantage over your competition. All right, let's start with the list here. And we're looking at the leaders here in this instance. We're going to start with the leaders in the differential between expected ERA and ERA. And in, in these cases, the expected ERA is lower than the actual ERA. So what the uh, indicators are telling us, what this indicator is telling us, is that this guy is pitching better than his ER, his actual ERA tells us he is. And it starts with Dylan Bundy with a 517 ERA. He's got a 413 XFIP. 
and a four, I'm sorry, a 413 expected ERA and a 406 XFIP. And that XFIP is always interesting with Dylan Bundy because he's a guy who gives up a lot of home runs. That's the main knock. That's the main problem with Dylan Bundy. Yeah, and one thing that's really improved for Dylan Bundy is his walk rate. Um, he's never been a guy who's walked a ton of guys, but it is down precipitously this year, actually cut in half from last year. So he's only walking 4.3%, um, but his strikeouts are way down. His uh, his velocity is down. It's, it's under 90 miles per hour. That's yeah. concerning. Um, and, you know, he is giving up harder quality of contact, but what we're seeing here is an XERA that's recognizing the lack of walks and saying that he shouldn't be giving up, uh, you know, essentially he has 5.17 ERA. He shouldn't be giving up five runs per nine innings, uh, because, you know, he's, he's walking so few guys. Yes. He's giving up a, a poor quality of contact and, um, it, it, I shouldn't say poor. I mean, his hard hit rate's 36%. That's fine. Um, but it's more, it's worse than it was. Um, but his walk rate is so improved. But yeah, I mean, he continues to give up home runs, although his home run to fly ball rate is down from last year. But home runs are continue to be a problem for Bundy. And, you know, the XFIP is going to neutralize that a little bit. His home run to fly ball rate, again, 14% this year. Um, one thing that's interesting with with Bundy is he's just consistently had a low left on base percentage again this is a guy who doesn't walk this year specifically really doesn't walk guys mm-hmm. um but his left on base percentage 69 percent this year it's been in the 60s you know for a good portion of his career and uh that's that's pretty low left on base and you'd like to say well um, I would think that that maybe is a little bit uh, or something that'll turn around at least. But, you know, this is what he's been doing his whole career. His career left on base percentage is 71%. So I think a little bit of this is also factoring that in is that some of the, you know, that, you know, we're waiting on him to stop leaving or, you know, stop letting those guys score. <laughs> but it's happening. And at some point, you know, I don't want to overdo it and say, I'm sure that that's going to turn around because it's been kind of that way for years now for Bundy. Especially with the declining strikeout rate, which is one of the things that helps you boost your left on base percentage. I, this is going to get me drummed out of the fantastic score, I'm sure. But there's a certain point in a player's career where, uh, his performance level is such, the result stats are such, despite the indicators, and uh, I'm looking through and he's outperformed, He's his XFIP has outperformed his actual ERA in most of the seasons he's been in. The, the fact of the matter is, no matter what the recipe is here, he's not a very good pitcher. Gives up runs, he gives up homers, He's uh, the velocity is very low and he's not a good punch out guy, which means he's basically, he's right now he's a contact pitcher. He's at that rate where he's a contact pitcher and he gives up too many home runs. If he's going to continue not to walk guys, that's great, that's going to help the situation, but I don't have any faith in that lasting either. There's just a certain point, no matter what the indicators are telling me, Dylan Bundy is just not a guy I want to get mixed up with. No, and the problem with Dylan Bundy is he he's volatile, and 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 I think that this plays into it a little bit. Is is you know, XERA isn't going to tell you about volatility, um, and so it's saying to you, you know, he probably shouldn't have. He's had you know a couple starts ago where he gave up five runs and five yep. earned runs and two and a third. Uh, obviously, you know, in early May he had a start against Baltimore. He gave up nine runs and three and two thirds. Like XERA isn't predicting that. That and it's probably saying in those circumstances he, it shouldn't have been that bad, um, but we know how things can spiral in a game, 
but then, you know, he also has starts that are great. His last start at Arizona gave up one run in eight innings, struck out seven, didn't walk anybody. Yep. Um, so you'd love to have that start, but how do you predict it? And again, I, the, the worst part is when it's a, not even ones you can predict based on team. I mean, the start he gave up nine runs was against Baltimore. Um, you know, he gave up uh, four runs and in six innings against Detroit. You know, I mean, like it's not really easily predictable. Um, and that's where it gets frustrating. And uh, and like you said, I don't want to mess around with that. And then even from a DFS perspective, now, sure, every now and then, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a dart in a tournament on on Dylan Bundy because I do think he has yeah. the potential to be you know, if he if he has things going and he's limiting quality of contact and he's limiting the home runs, you know, he's not or you assume he's not going to walk a ton of guys. Um, he's not going to get a ton of strikeouts, but he can strike out a few. And we see, as he did, you know, in his most recent start on Saturday that he, you know, has the potential to have a really good game. So I don't mind that. But in a, you know, season long league, you're going to be biting yourself because at every start, you're not exactly sure what you're going to do. Again, that's not something XERA or XFIP factor in is <laughs> your volatility. Yeah. One day somebody's going to come up with a metric to tell us volatility. <laughs> and uh, we, we don't quite have that yet, um, but Dylan Bundy would be the poster child of volatility, and and those are the types of players that drive me nuts in fantasy uh, leagues. See, we have to develop that. We have to develop a volatility right. stat. And I've always I've been talking to Anthony for years about doing a quality, a quality start stat, a way to rate starts. But, I mean, it's changing so much in the last couple of years. That whole formula would have had to have been – um, revamped in the last couple of years and I hate aggregate stats. So I don't even know why I'm talking about this kind of thing, <laughs> but volatility would be a good register. And that's an important lesson when you've got a guy like uh, Dylan Bundy and guys in this streaming category is that yes, Dylan Bundy will throw up a good start every once in a while, but you know what, when I'm streaming a guy, that's not what I'm looking for. I don't need the great start. Just don't give me the killer start, right? Don't give me the five runs in a start. Don't give me the six runs in a start. And I'd rather have a guy who doesn't do that than a guy who gives you that good start every once in a while. Because, again, in streaming pitching, that's not what I'm looking for. You, you love it when you get it, but that's not what you're looking for. You just want someone not to set fire to the top end of your rotation and your good starting pitchers. You just want to just go out and throw just a quality start, which, by the way, is a 450 ERA, three runs and in six innings. That would be great. All my streaming pitchers, just give me three runs and in six innings. That's all I want. Yeah, and that's not that's not what you're really going to get out of no. Dylan Bundy. And so, yeah, ultimately, I, I think this is a situation where, look, his ERA is 5.17. Um, I, I think probably it shouldn't be that bad. I think it's factoring in that start he gave up nine runs. The start he gave up, what, six mm -hmm. runs, seven runs. Um, those are probably ones that spiraled out of control. XERA, XFIP are factoring in that it probably shouldn't have been that bad. Um, and if, you know, in the start, he gave up nine runs. If he ended up only giving up five runs, you know, that's going to impact his ERA. Um, and ultimately it's telling us, you know, his XERA, his XFIP, that it is, his ERA probably should be in the fours. Um, but you're, but the problem is again, they don't factor in volatility. I think the volatility is going to be Dylan Bundy's thing. As long as he's a major league pitcher, it's kind of been his thing even year to year his volatility is pretty intense. Um, last year, a 6.06 ERA. The year before, a 3.29 ERA. I mean, that that's just the volatility you deal with. Um, but this is a guy who I, I think his skill set, you know, we talk about buying skill set. His skill set is better than the 5.17 ERA, but it's still not a skill set I'm interested in. 
All right, we'll talk about Eliza Hernandez a little bit here. He's another guy that we don't necessarily want to mess with, but let's touch on him because he's number two on the list with a 507 expected ERA and a 675 ERA. Looked kind of promising in the 2020 season, and 2021 wasn't a bad season at all. He just gives up a lot of homers, and, and a Miami pitcher giving up a lot of homers, that's not what I'm looking for either. No, yeah, and I mean, we, yeah, we, we probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time on Eliezer Hernandez simply because he's back in AAA, and I don't know if he has a spot back into their rotation. Um, Edwin Cabrera is now on the uh, on the IL, but ultimately, I would think that he's the better option in in that um, rotation. Even Braxton Garrett is probably yeah. better at this point than Eliezer Hernandez. Anyways, um, aside the point, yeah, he, he, yeah, he showed some promise in 2020. He had a nice swinging strike rate. His strikeouts were up overall. Uh, his walks were way down. He had this really good strikeout to walk rate. And, um, and yeah, so there was, there was promising stuff there in his XERA that year was 3.23. So it was basically right in line with his ERA and that's back in 2020, but, uh, he has really regressed, um, his, his, uh, overall velocity, um, dipped a little bit, although it's, it's, it's somewhat back to where it was. Um, but he continues to just, yeah, not, not, uh, he gives up way too many home runs. Now is some of that bad luck possibly, but I'm still worried just with that fly ball rate in general. He has a 56% fly ball rate this year and a 21% home run to fly ball rate. That's yeah. just way too many home runs you're giving up. And a 14.5% uh, barrel rate. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So the, that quality of contact is, is, is overall concerning and the quality of contact really hasn't been good for the last few years, including that really good year in 2020, um, where he was giving up a 92 mile per hour average exit velocity. So, um, yeah, some, some concerning things here, whereas, you know, his, his left on base percentage the last couple of years was really good, really high. Um, it's, it's lower this year it's 69%, but I think he was a little bit lucky to get away with that mid eighties the last couple of years. Cause again, he's, he was striking guys out. I still don't consider him an elite strikeout guy, even though in 2020 he, um, you know, did it, but that was in 25 innings. So I don't think we can really read a whole lot into 2020. Um, I think we look a little bit closer at what he's done the last couple of years, which is probably a little more indicative of where he is. So again, in this case, his ERA 6.75, that's abysmal, but his XFIP XERA are better, but they're still terrible. Uh, he's in triple a, uh, if you're holding on to LEAs or Hernandez, you can feel free to get rid of them. Okay. I want to move on because the next guy on the list is the fascinating guy on the list. And in my house league, which is a relatively old and relatively experienced and relatively, uh, savvy league. Hunter green has been on four teams so far this year <laughs> uh, and a, a guy, a prospect who was, um, uh, a high level prospect that people had you know kept for a while and and Hunter Green was the guy who we all thought was going to be a great pitcher and at times he has been a very good pitcher at times he's been a bad pitcher his expected ERA so far this year is 3.68 his actual ERA is 5.26 who the hell is Hunter Green Yeah I mean Hunter Green is another guy who has the home run problem um he's given up a ton of home runs and uh again 56% fly ball rate and 18.3% home run to fly ball rate um, you know, one of the problems here is a 10.8% barrel rate. Um, we know the Hunter Green throws insanely hard. Um, well, if you're throwing the ball insanely hard and giving up 56% fly balls, a lot of those balls are going to be hit hard into the yeah. air. 
Um, and so ultimately that 18.3% home run to fly ball rate, which is high. I'm not sure that that's bad luck. I, I think that that might be, um, justified. And so I don't want to see him giving up 56% fly balls and he didn't in the minor leagues. So, um, you know, that's something that maybe is just, you know, somewhat small sample size and somewhat just him learning the game again, this is rookie year. So we'll give him a little bit. Um, the, the, the encouraging thing is, um, we know he's striking guys out. I mean, the strikeouts are there. The, uh, we see sometimes at times, as you mentioned, the dominance, a little bit of the volatility we were just talking about with Dylan Bundy, not as bad. Um, but he had one start in early May where he gave up eight runs and two and two thirds at Milwaukee. Um, that is completely killing his ERA. Um, you know, his ERA would be in probably the mid fours, uh, if, if he didn't have that one start. Um, so his X ERA, which is 3.68 X FIP is also in the threes. Well, barely 3.99, um, you know, is probably a little bit closer to where he should be than his 5.26 ERA. Um, but again, I, we talk about the volatility. Dylan Bundy is very volatile. Um, Hunter Green is somewhat volatile, but not not in the same way. I think generally speaking, it's the volatility is is home run based. Um, and the difference is Hunter Green gives up more walks. I mean, he, he gives yeah. about 10, you know, 10 percent walk rate. Um, you know, it's still not as bad as you might think for a guy who, who has the strikeout potential and uh, 100 and whatever two mile per hour fastball that he has. So um, I, I'm actually the 9.9% walk rate doesn't scare me a ton because of his incredible strikeout rate. What really concerns me is the home runs. And again, where does he pitch? I mean, that's a big factor yeah, here. Right. Part of the reasons he's given up home runs is because he's in Cincinnati. Well, this is one of these situations where you have to look at the pitcher at different angles as well, because how he started in his first five or six starts in the majors and how he's pitched since the no hitter that he threw are the seven innings, 7.1 no, no hit innings that he threw uh, back on May 15th has been a little bit different story. And one of the things, the most important things is when we were talking about Hunter Green earlier in the season, we were talking about a power pitcher and we said exactly, Skyler and I talked about this and we said exactly what you said. He's a power pitcher. He throws hard. And when you throw hard and get hit, you get hit hard and you're going to give up homers. This pitcher is going to give up homers, but he wasn't striking out guys at an acceptable rate earlier in the season. The strikeout rate has come up. It's 11.5 per nine in the last seven starts for him since including that seven innings, no hit ball, seven plus innings and no hit ball there so the strikeouts have come back walks have calmed down a little bit but even that overall number which is three per nine which isn't great but it's a little bit better than what he was doing beforehand that doesn't tell the whole story too because it could be five in the start it was a he walked five guys in that no hit bid right there and he'll right. walk a couple in five innings in, in a start and he'll walk none in seven innings and none in three innings it's just all over the board it doesn't even give you a real idea of what's going to happen any day when he goes out on the mound and it's that volatility that's really scary at this point Home runs 1.38 over those last seven starts. That's pretty good. You know, if he could keep his walks down below three, he's right at three over the last seven starts, keep his homers at 1.3 per nine and strike out 11.5 per nine. If he could maintain those rates over 20 starts or 25 starts, he'd probably have a pretty good season and probably pay off on some of those things we thought Hunter Green was. But unfortunately, on a start-to-start basis, you don't know which Hunter Green you're going to get. Yeah, and that's and look, he's 22 years old. So this is a different situation yeah. than Dylan Bundy. And, and in this situation, 
I, I do want to buy in the skill set, and we know the skill set. I mean, we have a hundred two mile per hour fastball, <laughs> and we're all interested in the skill set, right? Skill, um, yeah. You yeah. need you say more if you say a hundred two mile per hour. Um, that being said, um, it's not just that. I mean, XERA isn't you know telling us what his you know fastball velocity is, um, but his overall skill set in general, I'm I'm intrigued by. Um, you know, and again, it's not just the, the 102 mile per hour fastball. I think he ha I think he has the makings of someone who can be a really, really, really good pitcher. Um, and we see it. I mean, at times he's looked really, really good this year. Um, in, in terms of a redraft league, in terms of what you do with him this year, that's a little tough. Yeah. I mean, you got to pick your spots, but it's not always clear what your spots are going to be or is going to be some volatility, um, if you want you look, if you're in a season long Roto league and you're just trying to rack up some strikeouts, I think Hunter Green's going to continue to strike out guys. Um, like you said, he's improved on that recently. And I think that that's, that's not going to be a problem for him. Um, but you are going to deal with the occasional tough start because he's given up too many home runs, although that's improved, as you said, and he does walk too many guys. Now, again, I still say a guy who throws that hard, um, I can deal with a little bit of control issues. You know, he needs to improve that, but again, he's only 22. Mm -hmm. um, but I can deal with a little bit of control issues. I'm not asking him to have a 4% walk rate, um, but, it, but it should be better than where it is. Um, and his XERA is telling me that he does have skills that I'm intrigued by. He's got to get that fly ball rate down. There's no reason for him to be giving up that many fly balls, especially when you pitch in Cincinnati. Um, and again, his minor league record doesn't, tell me that he's this much of a flywall pitcher. So I think that's going to, I think that's going to, uh, um, change. I think that's going to adjust. And, and I think then that will help him too, because it'll limit the home runs. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Hunter green the rest of the year. I think if you're in a seasonal Roto league, yeah, you still pick your spots. You're, you know, you're probably not yeah. starting him against the Dodgers and all that. And even certain starts in Cincinnati, you might want to avoid, but Generally, I still think he's got value um, on a team, even though somebody might look at it and be like, hey, 5.26 ERA, I, I have no interest. Well, I feel a little bit differently. I'm still interested, even in a redraft league and certainly in a dynasty keeper league. I, I still think he's got great potential. I don't know if it still sits this way, but those first six starts in which he posted, you know, he gave up 3.8 homers per nine and walked 5.1 per nine. That was good enough for a lot of teams to let him go because it looked like he was going to be in majors for a time being. And it wasn't no, it wasn't a prospect any longer. The price you paid for Hunter Green before the season is a little bit different than the price you're probably paying for him now. Now, when he threw the seven innings, of no hit ball, that probably changed a little bit. And there were some claims and things like that. But if he's if he's around out there, he's a guy, like you said, and when we're talking prospects, I'm in the same boat that you are. I'm looking for a skill set, right? I'm looking for high ceiling prospects. Those are the guys I want to develop. I mean, in the dynasty league, you take anyone you think is going to be productive uh, in a major league career. But in any, in almost every other minor league component, depending on how many minor leaguers you can keep from year to year, for me, I'm looking for the high ceiling guys. Hunter Green is still one of those guys, especially at the price I can get him for now. If he's laying around somewhere, you know, roll a dice on him a little bit and use him as a streamer. And again, pick your spots. You don't know which spots are going to be, which spots are going to be the good spots and which are going to be the bad spots because it doesn't seem to follow a pattern. But what I'm seeing right now is that those that control issue is starting to calm a little bit because the home runs have calmed a little bit. In the first six starts, he gave up 3.8 homers per nine. When you're giving up four homers per nine innings pitched, you're a little reluctant to come in. I don't care if you do throw 100 uh, because he's getting tagged a little bit. 
he's going to settle in. He's going to calm down. The walk rate's going to come down. Hopefully the home run rate stays down. You're right. The fly ball rate, I'd like to see that come down as well. Uh, but I think he's capable of doing that. And I think there's a, still a pretty good ceiling with Hunter Green. No, there definitely is. And look, that, uh, you know, April and early May start, that, that was a tough road he had. Started his, his first career start against Atlanta at Atlanta. Atlanta's a good offense. At the Dodgers, the Dodgers are a good offense. Home against St. Louis. First of all, that's his first start at home. Again, Cincinnati is a little bit of a scary place to pitch, and St. Mm-hmm. Louis is a pretty good offense. At Colorado, that's terrible. At Milwaukee, Milwaukee's a really bad park to pitch in. Milwaukee's offense, eh, not great, but okay. Um, then, you know, again, at home against Milwaukee. So that was a pretty tough road to go to start his career. Um, that's the first runs in that Milwaukee game. It's almost it's almost uh, admirable that he was upright after that and rebounded the way he did, because that's a tough start for a young pitcher. Yeah, no question about it. Not- notably, his XFIP in that game was 2.83. <laughs> his ERA was 27, but his XFIP was 2.83. Um, but I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. Um, also, just as a side note, I would avoid any starts he has continuing against Milwaukee. He's already faced them three times. Uh, he only has really a fastball slider. Um, that's another thing. He's he he has a changeup. He doesn't use it much, and it's not very good. He he needs to develop that changeup or develop, you know, maybe a sinker. So he needs to develop another pitch, a cutter or something like that. Um, to first of all create a delta with that incredible fat. And again, he could throw a ninety mile per hour changeup, you know, and 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 it could be successful because yep. with a hundred and two mile per hour fastball, he just needs a little bit of change of pace. Um, this is not something he's going to develop this year. Um, but again, only 22 years old. This is something that he he just will have to develop if he's going to remain a starting pitcher. Um, but for now, it's really just fastball slider. So when he's facing a team for a fourth time or a third time, I get a little bit nervous because they'll have better understanding yeah. of his two pitches. So <laughs> that's just a side note. If he's facing Milwaukee, whether it's in Cincinnati or Milwaukee, I would avoid it moving forward. He's already faced them three times. Uh, two of them he got, you know, was not a good start. So uh, that's just a side note. And then just kind of keep an eye when you have a guy like this who's young who and who really only has two pitches, just keep an eye on how many times they faced a team. If you are streaming them, if you're either streaming them or playing them in DFS is that's something I always want to look at too, especially with a pitcher like Hunter green. And we've talked a little bit this year about two pitch pitchers and how they're becoming a little bit more viable as starters in the league because the league is reluctant in general to let pitchers unless they're star pitchers face the order the third time around. That's going to be a problem with Hunter green going forward because Hunter green's value is going to be based on him being a six inning pitcher, a six plus inning pitcher and being, able to face the order the third time around if hunter green is uh, with his volatility if hunter green is a guy who can only go two times through the order that diminishes his value in my eyes to some extent although you know the red sox have garrett whitlock who's who's another guy who's in this type of category as well it's just hunter green you would want to be a top half of the rotation starter which to me indicates you got to be able to go six innings you got to be able to face that order a third time to be uh to uh to get the value out of the pitcher that you think that you have to pay for him actually. Yeah. And that's a good point. He's not there this year. He, he, no. he I mean, not with the two pitches, he's just not going to get there. So he's not going to, he's rarely going to go deep in games if at all. Um, and I, anytime he does go third time through a lineup, I'm concerned. And again, I, I also mentioned anytime he's facing a team second or third, fourth time, that's going to have me very concerned. 
Um, so those factors are just, you know, kind of going back to just the fact that he really only is a two pitch pitcher. Um, now they're the two very intriguing pitches. We talked about his incredible fastball, um, and his slider is fantastic. I mean, his slider has been insanely effective this year, so they're very good pitches, but he's just got to develop, you know, another pitch. And again, that change up, he just doesn't have a feel for it yet. It's not a good pitch yet. I'm not, you know, he's 22. I, I, he could certainly develop it. Um, and he just, you know, that that's an off season. That's, that's what you do in the off season. That's what you do in spring training. Um, you work on new pitches and, and hopefully, you know, Hunter green knows, hopefully his coaches know that that's, that's the key. Um, if Hunter green wants to remain a starting pitcher, he has to have at least a change up or, or a third pitch. Ideally, you'd like to have him have at least two more pitches that he can go to. Um, but you know, if he can't, then he's going to end up in the bullpen. I mean, that's ultimately what it's going to be. He's going to end up as maybe a great closer. Um, but you know, he, he, he can't remain a starting pitcher with only a fastball and slider. And he's only 22 years old. So there's a chance that, I mean, I, I get so frustrated by changeups because I don't understand why every pitcher in the majors doesn't have a changeup. I mean, I once taught someone to change up over a text message, <laughs> <laughs> taught him how to throw the circle change. And it's like, you would think it would be something they would be able to develop with this guy. And you would think it would be thought number one with a guy who throws a hundred miles an hour. Well, this guy needs a changeup, right? Uh, oh yeah. And, and again, he's, he has a changeup. Uh, just looking at the numbers, he's given up a 400 batting average on it. So that's not very good. It's a 76 mile per hour change up or wait, I sorry, I say that wrong. No, it's an 89 mile per hour change up. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. Again, uh, 89 is perfect. 90 is perfect for a guy who throws as hard as him. Um, but he obviously is, doesn't trust it again. 400 batting average on it, uh, you know, and that's a 381 uh, expected batting average. So it just it's just not working for him right now. And he obviously doesn't have faith in it and doesn't have trust in it. And um and it probably isn't refined right now. And maybe he needs, uh, you got to get his number so you can send him a text. <laughs> and so you can help him perfect that changeup because right now um, he doesn't have faith in it and it's not working. And in the off season and it, look, it doesn't have to be the changeup. Now it should be with, a, again, with the fastball like that. Right. Yeah. Changeup's an easy pitch to just change pace, change the batter's timing. So they can't just sit on that fastball. Um, but it could be another pitch, it, you know, it could be a curveball. You know, he, he just has to develop a, a, a deeper arsenal. Um, and look, his slider itself is has a 10 mile per hour delta, 11 yep. mile per hour delta from his fastball. It's an 87 mile per hour slider. So to a certain degree, that does change. Uh, and then it's one of the reasons his slider is so effective. But you still have batters sitting on that fastball. And we've talked about it. It's a really good fastball. It's a really fast fastball, but major league hitters are really good and they've seen fast fastballs before and they can sit on that if you don't give them enough other options. If you can give them other options, that fastball becomes even better and it, and it will be, you know, I mean, if he, if he can develop that changeup or if he can develop a curveball or whatever, even a cutter, like I said, just something to change batters that they have to think about so that they can't sit on that fastball. It's going to make that fastball even faster to them in their minds and, uh, and more effective. Herman Marquez is number four on the list, the differential between X ERA and ERA. And we're looking at the end where the actual ERA is higher than the X ERA. And his, uh, Herman Marquez's actual ERA is 609 this year with a 472 expected ERA. Here's a guy that we talk about all the time. Don't discount him just because he's a Rockies pitcher. Don't discount him. And he's had, he's put together, Four good seasons in a row now with Colorado, and he's another guy that you 
that basically when I have him, I do stream him because he's not a big strikeout pitcher and I like to pick my starts for him, but it's been bad for him this year and it's been bad for him at home. He's given up 12 of his 14 homers at home. And again, the stat we're dealing with today, XERA doesn't take in park factors into account. Uh, but he hasn't been good on the road either. Something is uh, not quite right with Herman Marquez so far this season. I feel like we always start to see this about six, seven years into a Colorado Rockies pitcher's career is, you know, when it starts to become an issue on the road too, is you, you start to lose faith, I think, in your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just feel like we're seeing this with Herman Marquez. Um, he, he, you know, he, even his swinging strike rate, which has been in the 12s, for four straight years is, is down below 10% this year. Um, his left on base percentage, again, another thing that we often see with in Colorado, just because more guys score in Colorado. So his left on base percentage is particularly low at 62% this year. Um, but his XFIP, his XERA are telling us that he's much better than the 6.16 ERA. So you mentioned his XERA at 4.72. So it's about, you know, point and a half lower than his actual ERA. His XFIP is 3.79. Yeah. So his XFIP, which for five straight years, or I mean, his entire career, his XFIP has been good. It's been below four every year, except for his first, his basically his rookie season where it was 4.18. But you know, XFIP also is, is doesn't factor in the fact that he pitches in Colorado and that's just killing him. And then you, you say even on the road, there's, there's some issues there. I just wonder, is, is there an issue now in his head? Um, has it just gotten to the point in his career where maybe Herman Marquez came up as, you know, a guy who felt like he was going to be one of the elite pitchers in the game and his numbers are never there part because of where he pitches. And now he's in a place where, you know, he doesn't have confidence that he is one of the top pitchers anymore. But he's a buy low candidate at this point, because I still like Herman Marquez and it, it's just quality contact is up a little bit this year, but that 20%, this is why XFIP is so low at 379. Uh, his home run to fly ball at 20% is higher than his career average of 16.4%, even in Colorado. And uh, again, quality contact is up a little bit, but it doesn't look that bad. That slippage and swinging strike uh, rate, you're, you're right. That's important to me. And uh, he's, not he's not keeping the ball in the ballpark like he used to. His home runs per nine for him, it's one twenty three now, but it's one oh five last year, point six six the year before, one point five the year before. Those are acceptable from a Colorado pitcher. Not so much this year though. No, and yeah, the home run to fly ball rate is high, twenty percent. It, it's up from where it's been. However, so is his barrel rate, which is a career high, eight point one percent. His hard hit rate mm-hmm. uh, is forty six percent. That's a career high. So he is giving up much worse quality of contact this year. Um, So that's going to explain some of the reason that the home runs are going out. Um, And I think some of it is if, if you're not, if you don't have the swing and miss stuff, you know, guys are, you know, able to sit on your, your, you know, pitches a little bit better. His CSW rates only 25.6%. That's, that's not very impressive at all. Um, so, you know, he still isn't walking a lot of guys, a 7.3% walk rate, but he's not striking out near as many. He is giving up worse quality of contact. Well, I mean, those are, those are concerns for me. Um, now again, it's just, this is what we keep talking about the XER, right? Is he as bad as the 6.16 ERA? No, I don't think he is. He's never been nearly that bad, but I do think there's been some slippage this year. I do think he has regressed this year, only 27 years old. It's not 
it's not so much a health issue. I mean, his, his, it's not like his velocity is down or anything. Um, but I, I, I think there are some, certainly some problems here that I, I'm concerned about and, and I would fade, um, Herman Marquez this year. Um, now he's not leaving Colorado. I don't think he's, he just signed a contract a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, uh, you know, it's yeah, not that I'm writing him. Off we've got to start people. a campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, and we say this all the time. Anytime Colorado, I mean, it was, you know, I've been an Austin, Austin Gomber guy who's also on this list and Austin Gomber guy for several years when he was with St. Louis, the moment he got traded to, uh, to Colorado, I was done. Um, you know, I, I can't, and it's been that way. I mean, Austin Gomber is another guy who I, I feel like has the potential to be a good pitcher. I liked what he, what he was capable of St. Louis and then he got traded and, I just, I, you know, I, I can't do it. I mean, it's not that I have the flat out, um, you know, ultimatum of I won't draft a Colorado Rockies pitcher, but I rarely draft a Colorado Rockies pitcher. And we focus on the home run part of the Colorado experience, but the other part of that is the uh, Babbitt part of it, the large field that allows more base runners. And it's essentially like adding walks to the equation here because home runs are one thing. You're going to give up home runs in the major leagues, and you don't want to give up a ton of homers, but you're going to give up a certain amount of homers in the major leagues. What you want to do is you want to do it with nobody on base. And unfortunately, Colorado diminishes your breaking pitches. It gives up more hits because it's a, such a big field and the BABIP is always up at Colorado as well. So that's essentially adding a certain percentage of base runners to that home run total. It makes the home runs hurt more. And when you jump, you did this jump and again, Herman Marquez was 1.05 per nine last year and 1.73 this year. That makes a big difference. And he's not, he's walking actually less guys than last year, but giving up more runs because there are more base runners. His BABIP is 338 this year. And his whip is 1.55. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you can't have a whip of 1.55 and a home run rate or, you know, home run per nine of 1.76 or 1.73 or whatever. Yeah, 1.73. Right. Um, it's just going to kill you. And, and it has. He's got 6.16 ERA. There's your explanation right there. Uh, it's not so much the walks. It's not fastball velocity. Um, it's it's just simply he's letting too many guys get on base and he's giving up too many home runs. That's there. There's the problem. Um, so that left on base percentage, 61.8%. Um, part of that is because he's given up a lot of home runs, but also he's just given up too many hits. So guys get on base and they score. And uh, right now, this is this is a big problem for Herman Marquez. So yeah, in a redraft league, I, I don't want Herman Marquez in his in a redraft league. Uh, no. I'm not writing him off on his career. Still only 27 years old. We need to get him out of Colorado. But um, <laughs> I, I think there are some major issues right now with Marquez. Yeah, the real disturbing part about it is these troubles have carried over on the road now. You could always stream Marquez as, as a road pitcher. And by the way, he always pitched fairly well in Colorado, too. He's put up some good seasons. There's no doubt about it. But it's not working so far this year. And he's a guy that I'll keep my eye on, especially if he's available in terms of whether he puts it together or not. And I, again, you might say, you say it might be just wear and tear of being a Colorado pitcher. And you might be right. I'm just I'm just interested to see if whatever has been diminished so far this year, especially on the road, finds itself again. He's pitched mostly at home, so maybe it's just a matter of getting acclimated on the road again. Maybe it's a matter of putting one start together. He's a veteran pitcher, or put a couple starts together, and maybe that gives him a little bit more momentum. I'll be keeping an eye on him, but right now, I, I don't want to touch him. It's hard to. That division is so tough, too, um, because, you know, it used to be like San Francisco was a team that you could kind of you know, feel comfortable pitching against, but that's a good offense now. And anytime they're coming into Colorado, I don't want anything to do with them. 
Um, we know what the Dodgers are, the Padres, we know what they are. And so it's, it's a tough division. It's tough place to pitch. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 he's a tough, tough pitcher to own right now. Now he was discounted preseason. I, you know, I think finally for years, I felt like he was overdrafted. Um, this, this off season, I felt like he finally kind of slipped to where he should be drafted. But, um, that being said, like I said, um, uh, you know, keep an eye on him because, uh, you know, there's, we know he has a skill set. Um, again, his XERA is, is intriguing. Um, and his XFIP is very intriguing. So he's got a interesting skill set. He's always had a good skill set. Um, but he, he's not getting any out of Colorado anytime soon, not getting out of the NL West anytime soon. And, um, me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, move on from Herman Marquez this season. Yep. And you talk about wear and tear of pitching in Colorado. I think there's a wear and tear in terms of, uh, aware of effectiveness in terms of being in the same division for so long and facing these teams so much and so often, you know, they, they get used to seeing you. I, the most famous example I go back to is how well at the end of, uh, Mariano Rivera's career or near the end of his career, how well the Red Sox hit him. And it's just a matter of, you just see him a ton. It doesn't make him any less of a great pitcher. You know, uh, Mo Rivera was the greatest reliever of all time, but hitters see you for an extended period of time repeatedly during the course of the year with starters. It might be four starts. It might be five starts a year for four or five years or with a reliever. You might see him 10 times a year. It's just, you know, hitters catch up to guys when they see him that much. And you're talking about particularly veteran teams in that division, you know, yeah. with, with San Francisco and with LA and, and to a certain degree, San Diego. So yeah, the, I mean, how many times has, have the Dodgers seen, I mean, these Dodgers hitters, how many times has Justin Turner yep. faced Herman uh, Marquez? So how many times has Cody Bellinger faced Herman Marquez? So, I mean, they, they just know this guy and you're, you're right. It's, I mean, it would be great if they could get him out of Colorado, but um, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know how you are a general manager of the Rockies. H- how do you build that <laughs> franchise? Because it's like you, you say, okay, well, I guess we'll trade Herman Marquez, but like, who's the next pitcher then? I mean, they, they just cannot get a pitcher who can be successful there. So I, I don't know what you do if you're that franchise. It's easy to acquire offensive players and hitters and, It's not that hard to build an offense there, but I just don't know how you build a rotation. And we haven't seen a great history of pitchers getting out of Colorado and excelling. I mean, that's that's not something that's happened either. The post-Colorado experience hasn't been particularly newsmaking for any of the pitchers that have gotten out of there either. No, yeah. I mean, you can go back to when uh, uh, Tyler Chatwood. When yep. everybody said, oh, Tyler Chatwood's going to be, you know, a huge success out of Colorado because, you know, he had he had really good stuff as well. And he was a complete disaster. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a little bit of a mental thing. This is what I'm saying is Herman Marquez has spent his entire major league career pitching for the Rockies. And this is a guy who came up. He was a, he was a good minor leaguer. He has he has good stuff. His arsenal is very good. Um, and we've seen at times he's been very good. Um, but now this is entire career of basically posting pedestrian or worse ERAs and, you know, just not good overall numbers. And he's never discussed among the, you know, top major league pitchers when maybe when he was coming up, he thought he would be. Um, and it's like, do you get to a point where you just think maybe I'm not that good and, you know, I'm not, you know, don't build the confidence. And we know how, how important is confidence in a pitcher? I, I mean, it's, it's vital. For a pitcher. And I, I just, a lot of these guys, I think they leave Colorado with a lack of confidence. 
All right, we'll pass over Austin Gomer a little bit. We touched on him a little bit. Another Colorado pitcher, so he's going to do well in these types of comparisons of XERA versus ERA. Let's get to Tyler Malley here with a 324 expected ERA and a 446 actual ERA. Another guy pitching in a ballpark that is home run oriented. Yeah, I mean, and this this is a common theme we're having here, and also some volatility because of that, because you're going to give up occasional home runs, and it's not that home runs have been a major problem for Tyler Molly. What has been the problem for him is walks. Um, he's 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 given up too many walks, close to ten percent. Um, but I, I, I was high on Tyler Molly preseason. Um, he hasn't necessarily backed me up completely. I, I still am very intrigued here, and this is one where I really take note of. The low XERA, I get three point two four. That was his ERA. We'd be in pretty, we'd be pretty happy with him right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, his XFIP also pretty good, three point eight three. Um, you know, last year his 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 numbers were right in line with his actual ERA. His ERA was three point seven five, XFIP three point seven four. XERA 3.73. So right in line with it. Um, and his ERA is, is getting, getting down there. It was, it was higher, uh, you know, earlier in the season, he's, he's been pitching better of late. Um, uh, especially coming off his last start where he went uh, complete game shutout, 12 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he is pitching better. I think that ERA is coming down, but it's one I particularly take note of here because I, I think that Tyler Molly really has uh, the skill set that is more in line with an XERA XFIP in the threes um, than this 4.46 ERA. Um, I, I think that's a little bit of bad luck. Uh, yes, walks are a bit of a problem, um, but but I, I think there's there's something to be really excited about with Tyler Molly. The problem is it's a danger every time he's pitching in Great American Ballpark because that's that's just a tough place to pitch. His last eight starts, and this is the era that, you know, the change in the game in about mid, um, mid-March, mid I'm sorry, mid-May, although this start starts at 5-8 with the Pittsburgh start, and let's see, only one, only three of these eight starts are on the road. He's pitched to a 312 ERA, he's given up 1.1 homers per nine, 2.94 walks per nine, he's striking out 11 per nine. That's been a pretty good run, and that's been a pretty good run in supposedly the return of offense. So this XERA shows us the skill set that we're starting to see in the last few starts here. And if he can do keep all of these rates going, 11 per 9 strikeout, 2.9 walk, he'd like that to come down a little bit, but that's fine. 1.1 homer per 9. You know, then we're seeing the Tyler Miley that we uh, that we expect to see or we hope to see. Again, only three of those eight starts have been on the road, and they were at Arizona, at Cleveland, at Pittsburgh, all of them at home. Arizona, Washington, San Francisco, the Cubs, Pittsburgh, not great offenses, but he's pitched well. Yeah, and, and you know, I had said before the season I liked Tyler Molly as a guy who had some sneaky strikeout upside, and it, it, we didn't see it so much early in the season, and he was struggling a little bit more early in the season. We're seeing it a lot more recently, his last two starts, both against Arizona, um, which is notable, but he had uh, 10 plus strikeouts. Uh, but you know, a couple starts before that had eight strikeouts. So the strikeouts are starting to come a little bit more. Um, his left on base percentage is particularly low 65.3%. Um, that's, that's much lower than it's been the last couple of years. So I think that's part of the reason that we're seeing. And, and for a guy who does have strikeout upside, I would think his ex his uh, left on base percentage would be higher. It should be higher. Um, so I think that's part of the explanation here for the expected numbers to be, uh, you know, lower his expected ratios to be lower than his actual ERA doesn't give up, to, you know, bad contact. I mean, his, his, his hard hit rates low, his average exit velocity is low barrel rates, pretty low. So, um, and he does have the strikeout upside. So 
this is a guy who, yeah, I, I think it, you know, could be a, a candidate to target, um, in, you know, some leagues where people are just looking at that 4.46 ERA two and five record. Um, you're, you, there's, there's some risk because anytime he pitches in Cincinnati that this isn't, you know, there's a little bit of risk here, but again, he's not giving up a ton of home runs. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's one of the keys here. Um, and you know, his, his, his quality of contact he's allowing is, is not particularly, you know, hard. So I feel like even though he is pitching in Cincinnati, um, he should be pitching better. He should have better numbers than he does. Not the record because Cincinnati's terrible. Um, but that ERA should be coming down. The strikeouts are going to be there. He, he's a guy, he's a guy in a redraft league I'd be targeting. That left on base percentage is kind of normalized a little bit in those last eight starts that I talked about in the first six starts prior to that 51% left on base percentage, uh, 0.35 homers per nine. So he wasn't giving up homers in that April environment here in the early May environment, walking 4.9, uh, 4.9 walks per nine, not good at all. And the strikeout rate, as you mentioned, was only nine twelve. He's gained three strikeouts per nine in the eight starts, the previous eight starts over his six starts before that. Yeah, he, he look, I mean Tyler Molly, this is a skill set thing again. We talk about skill set. He's got the skill set. I mean, I just love his arsenal. He's got four intriguing pitches, four pitches that he can pitch um, you know, pretty regularly. Another guy who that you could say, well, he could develop a changeup at the same time. Um, he's got three non-fastballs that are in the mid eighties and then his fastballs in the mid nineties. So that's three change of pace pitches. So it doesn't have to be a change up um, when you have those options. It's the split finger, the slider and the cutter. So he's got a way to get ground balls when he needs to, because he's got that split finger. Um, and even his cutter has a little bit downward movement to it. Um, but he also obviously has strikeout and, and, and can blow it past guys. His fastball has been really good this year. So I, I just, I really like Tyler Molly. I've liked Tyler Molly. Um, it hasn't necessarily panned out the way I'd want in the early part of the season, but uh, he's been better lately. Um, yes. Against worse offenses. I think that's notable. I still, you know, I'm not going to be throwing him out there against the Dodgers in Cincinnati. Um, but I, I, I still really like Tyler Molly the rest of the way and wouldn't be surprised if that ERA finishes below four. All right, Zach Eflin, uh, we'll finish up with Zach Eflin with a uh, 2.86 XERA and a 3.98 ERA. And this is a perfect example of what you can do. You don't have to strike out a ton of guys. You just strike out a representative amount of guys, but don't walk guys and don't give up home runs and you'll be fine. This is kind of the formula that Zach Eflin has taken on so far this year. Yeah, impressive to even see Zach Eflin out there. I mean, I thought he'd miss a good portion of this season, and then he was out there at the beginning of the season. But yeah, I mean, that XERA is very intriguing, under three. Um, and he's overall been, you know, a pretty decent pitcher this year. His, his strikeouts aren't, yeah, like you said, they're they're not, you know, jumping off the page. He's not striking out a ton of guys. Um, but he really does not give up hard contact. Um, his average exit velocity allows 84.5 miles per hour. That's, that's extraordinarily low, low barrel rate, low hard hit rate. I mean, that's the intriguing thing here about Zach Eflin is you don't need to strike out a ton of guys. If guys just aren't hitting you hard at all. Um, and he doesn't walk guys at all. He's, he's never really walked guys. So, um, so even though his strikeout rate isn't, you know, jumping off the page, his strikeout to walk rates are really, really good. Um, he, yeah, I mean, his BABIP's low, but part of that is, again, the really, really weak contact. Um, his left on base percentage, 67.5%, I, I think that's a little bit low, and I think he's had a little bit of bad luck in that case. And so I would think that that, 
you know, would be part of the reason that XERA is saying, eh, I think he's a little bit better than than what we're seeing, which is already OK at three point nine eight ERA. Um, he's been unlucky with the win loss record two and four. Um, you know, the Phillies have been better lately. So, you know, not that you can really bank on anything there, but maybe that turns around a little bit. And it's not even been a problem, even though he came into the season coming off a major injury. It's not really been a problem, especially lately of going deep into games. I mean, in five or four of his last five starts, he's hit six innings. He hit eight innings a couple starts ago, seven innings. So, He's going deeper into games. He's, you know, giving up weak contact. And yeah, I mean, I think I think Zach Eflin's a guy who sh- certainly should be rostered um, in pretty much every format. But he's a guy I'd be interested in. Only 28 years old. Now he looks healthy. And um, yeah, I, I think Eflin is a, is a really intriguing pitcher. He only gave up one home run in his first five starts, which went through May 1st. And again, we've been warning about this, and we ran into a lot of pitchers whose home run home run per nine was cut significantly in April and in early May. In the six starts since May 17th, however, he's given up 1.46 homers per nine. He's given up six homers in six starts at this point. Uh, walks have continued to stay low at 1.9. Strikeouts have gained a little bit at 8.3. So the strikeouts are up. Walks are down. Home runs are back a little bit, or I would say, normalized his x is uh xfip over those six starts has been 3.78 a little bit higher so the home runs have returned a little bit he's one of these guys who i think benefited by whatever was going on in april and early may and so those home runs have come back a bit a little bit so be wary a little bit but still pitching very well yeah and uh you know the home runs will come back just as they are for basically everybody i, right. I still though i'm intrigued by with with uh Eflin his the the quality of contact is still pretty good it's 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 picked up over the last month in terms of uh he is giving up harder contact over the last month but that's true with everybody that's that's kind of what we're saying um but and, it's and by still- the way on those six starts San Diego Dodgers Mets Milwaukee for the six starts right there yeah so bad, much better offenses yep. so yeah I, I I still really am intrigued by Eflin although yeah I mean he's he, there's going to be some regression here from where he started off but I I still think that um you know, I think a lot of people got great value because, again, he was injured coming into the season. Um, but even so, at this point, I think he should be rostered in all formats. And I, I, I think he's a guy to target because um, I, I think he could do pretty well the rest of the season. All right. Check us out at InsideOfBaseball.com. And by the way, if you're getting ready for your football prep as well, the Fantastics Inside of Football podcast is up at InsideOfFootball.com as well. New episodes with uh, Dan and James. Uh, so you can get your football fix in as well as listening to us. Past episodes of this podcast can be found at whatever source you're listening to it now. And of course, at InsideOfBaseball.com. Go check out InsideOfBaseball.com and the baseball blog for player notes, samples, samples of notes that we give out to our subscribers every morning. Coaches meeting is always a good sample to look at as well and some great analytics articles if you want to dig through the backlog of some of our writers there go check it out you find a lot of useful information we hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time on the fantastic inside of baseball podcast oh yeah let's go hey